You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Guys, I've been looking forward to this, uh, this weekend for literally weeks. Um, it's summertime, so a lot of people traveling, vacation, mission trips, and summer camps. And uh, I know that uh, we had two mission trip teams pass each other over the Atlantic. I think they waved to each other too, which is awesome. So we had one team coming back from the Holy Land. If you want to join me, I'll take another trip with a team of people in November to the Holy Land. We'll serve the people of the Holy Land and visit the Holy Sites. It's going to be an incredible time. Sign up or go online at our website, visitgracechurch.com. Uh, also pray for the other team that was headed to North Africa. They're headed to North Africa to serve, to learn, to be a support. Uh, North Africa, pray for our North African team. This summer was a particularly good summer for me. It was a different one. Um, and I don't use this next term lightly. I don't wing this term around. But I believe I experienced revival this summer. Incredibly excited about that, what it means for you, what it means for our 300-plus leaders at Grace, extended leadership team, what it means for my own family. And I don't have time to go into all what happened, but I, post, I created two videos, posted one last night, posted another one this afternoon. If you're interested in what my summer rhythm is and what happened this summer, two videos go online, timhowie.com slash blog. TimHowie.com slash blog. If you're interested or if not, ignore it and move right on. All right, so hey, I've been praying a ton of, a, a few verses for you as well. There's two sets of verses. Been praying for you over and over and over for weeks. If you want to write them down, you can see what I've been praying for you behind your back. It's been Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. Been praying Ephesians 1, 18 to 21. Praying for God to open your eyes spiritually in three particular areas. I've also been praying for you right behind your back, Colossians 3, 1 to 2. And that's our topic today, Colossians chapter 3, 1 to 2. And so we're going to go in our Bibles there. If you have a Bible, turn to Colossians 3, 1 to 2. Our ushers in all of our locations have Bibles. If you're visiting, just raise your hand. They'll get you a Bible. You can borrow it or keep it. Um, Colossians chapter 3. I do want to welcome our Olathe campus. Uh, it was two weekends ago. I was back in the saddle. I was host pastor at our Olathe campus, so it was awesome to be with you. Uh, I can't wait to do it again. I think Kent was speaking. I was hosting there. And uh, welcome, guys. Those of you in the venue right now, I had a chance to be the host pastor last weekend uh, when Shannon was speaking, and we just saw God move in our community in the venue at our Overland Park campus. So awesome, guys. I, I plan to host there again down the line. If you're online, welcome. If you're in the auditorium at Overland Park, welcome. Um, today's topic, we're called, kicking off a new series. It's called Entrusted. Entrusted. You say, what is this series about? Well, it's about what's under this black sheet down here. So this is what our series is about. It's about this. These keys. Okay, so every key, there's like 20 to 25 keys right here. Each represents a different spiritual gift that Jesus gives to people the moment they receive Christ. These are the spiritual gifts. And we're going to take, if you want to write down the four key passages in the New Testament, which list these and talk about them, there are the twelves and the fours. The twelves and the fours. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 
talked about the gifts. And then the fours, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, the twelves and the fours. We're going to talk in the coming weeks about the spiritual gifts. What are the spiritual gifts? And the day you receive Christ, you don't get all the gifts. You get a certain number of gifts that are your primary giftings that God entrusts you with. They're the keys which open up God's power in ministry for you in this world. So in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about what are the spiritual gifts? How do I identify which of these are my spiritual gifts? How do I engage my spiritual gifts? How do I develop my spiritual gifts? Those kinds of things are, those kinds of things are coming. But today, that's not the case. Today, we're going to talk about the secret to spiritual gifts. And we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Let me give you the backstory of this letter. So Paul and Timothy together write this letter. It's a team effort. And they write a church that neither one of them have ever been to before. They've never been to this church before. How do you write a church and counsel them if you've never been there? Well, they'd met people from there. And one of the guys they met was a guy named Onesimus who had fled the city. Another guy was Tychicus. And so they sent Onesimus and Tychicus with a letter that they'd written, hand-carrying it to the city of Colossae, to this church. And so in this letter, it's a really short letter, two chapters and two chapters. The first two chapters are all theology. They're all, what should we know and believe? The last two chapters, all practical. Knowing what we know in chapters one and two, what should we do now? Based on chapters three and four, our two verses are as that, as that turning point in this book. Moving from theology, what we should know. Okay, now, what should we do? And so today, as we go through this passage, we're going to answer, or we're going to go through each of the two verses, because there are two huge decisions you can make which shape the health of your spiritual life. We'll talk about that. And then one important question everybody must answer, and we're going to see how this stool right here, this stool, can teach you how you can support a healthy spiritual life. Two decisions, one question. What in the world does this stool have to do with my spiritual life? We'll talk about that in a second. And so let's pray and we'll dive into the secret to spiritual gifts. God, we come to you and we are uh, thankful that you love us. Thankful you died for us. Thankful that you give those who've received Jesus, you know, one or more of those spiritual gifts, which unlock power in this world. We pray also that you would just guide us to what's even more important than the individual spiritual gifts, the secret to our spiritual life. And if somebody doesn't know you as Savior, may they come to Christ. If somebody finds themselves needing a shoring up to be healthier spiritually, reveal that to them. We ask you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. So there's, let's go to verse 1. The first phrase we're going to look for, this first decision we should make spiritually, is the phrase, seek those things. Seek those things. And I want to uh, just imagine for a second, what if we gathered you and a focus group that knows you best for a little survey about you? As so we hand every a piece of paper and a pen, and we this little survey about you. And here's the question we're asking, because we're told in the Bible to seek those things. Here's the question we'd ask them. Hey, what are those things I seek? That's how you would answer it for yourself. 
on your piece of paper, but the people that know you best, they're also answering for you. Yeah, what are those things that they really seek? I mean, what are those things they're seeking out of life? Yeah, I think I, think I seek that out of life. What motivates them? Yeah, I think this is the motivator for them. What's their life all about? Yeah, it's about this. Like, how would you answer that question? And how, how would those who know you best answer that question? We're told to seek those things. So Paul and Timothy actually write this in Colossians 3, verse 1 now. Colossians 3, 1. Here's the verse for us. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things. There's our phrase. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. If you've been raised with Christ, if you sense a difference in your soul, if you sense God has resurrected part of you, there's love in you that's not yours, grace that's not yours, forgiveness that's not yours, you sense God directing your life, if any of that is true about you, if you've been raised with Christ, then the decision spiritually is to seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. And so I started thinking, I, like I prayed this passage over and over and over for you. I would say four to five times a week, a week for weeks, praying this for you. And I started wondering as I prayed for you, what are those, what are those things? Like I've never sat down and wrote a list. What are those things which are above? So I did that. If you're going to write down some of these things that are those things which are above, you can write these down and just ask yourself, maybe you've never sought these things, but would you consider starting today to make your life about those things where somebody would actually write a piece of paper? Yeah, they're about that. How about this one? What is above? What God values is above. What God values is above. That's the souls of people. If you read the Bible, you find God has an inheritance where is God's inheritance? The souls of people, the saints, the souls of people. That's what's above. Every soul ever saved by grace through faith throughout history, they're there. We're supposed to seek those things which are above. Would you today say, okay, yeah, my life's about seeking the souls of people to be in heaven. Another thing in heaven, God's help. God's help is in heaven. Man, life is hard. Problems occur. We don't know what to do. We try to consult with people. You realize that your help is above? Seek those things which are above. Every prayer in the world lands in heaven. Revelation says that. Then God answers prayer. When you seek those things above, you seek the help that only God can give. Would you today start saying, hey, no matter what you've done in the past, I'm going to start seeking those things which are above. God's help is there. How about this? God's direction is above. God's direction is above. Okay, so God has this larger plan for your life, and his plan, his plan for the universe is the larger plan, the larger will, around what his plan for your individual life is. Do you realize what's above is direction for your life? Yeah, what should I do about this decision? That direction is above where Christ is. 
Hey, what should, what should my life be all about? It's above. What should I, how should I handle this situation? God's direction is, ab- it's there. Seek those things which are above. How about this? Countercultural attitudes are above. Countercultural attitudes. So let's be honest. This world has an attitude. And, and there's certain attitudes that are acceptable to this world. But heaven, when you seek those things above, there's just different attitudes. This world finds weird, but they're awesome. Think about the attitudes of heaven. Forgiveness is above. Love is above. Acceptance and peace is above. And joy is above. And praise is above. And a sense of awe is above. And personal humility is above. And having an eternal perspective. I mean, there's no emergencies in heaven. God's never freaked out. He's never surprised. He's always on time. And so even when I started praying these verses, I would think about things above. I'd feel my soul just sort of rest and big breath. Because God's not stressed. It's all under control. He's got it. And when you seek those things above, there's just different attitudes that are above. How about this? The, the most important one of all, Jesus is above. You see, he was a man lived in this world 2,000 years ago. He told people he'd rise from the dead. Then he was brutally murdered. And his best friends thought he was crazy, didn't believe him. And then he rose again. And over 40 days, he proved he's alive over and over, proof after proof after proof. And then he ascended to heaven at the right hand of God. And we are called to seek those things which are above where Christ is. He's even listed in that verse. When you seek Christ, it's about him, his praise, his direction, his glory, his attention, what he likes, what he wants, what, what benefits him. That's what it's about. Seek those things which are above. You say, Tim, Tim, how would I know I'm seeking those things? What does the, the word seek even mean? So Paul and Timothy, when they chose to write the write book of Colossians, they chose a word in Greek for seek that Jesus had used when he told a story. You could write down the story. It's Luke 15, verse 8. Luke 15, 8, story of a woman who lost 10% of her net worth in her house. Imagine you cash out 10% of your net worth and make it into a gem. And then you lose it in your house. 10% of your net worth. Would you blow that off? Would you say, well, that's just 10% of my net worth. You would turn your house over to find that gem. Seek those things which are above. So we're getting ready to go on vacation. So it's mostly staycation, but we had a series of small trips. Um, One of the trips was a trip to the lake. And so one morning, we're all packed. We have a time we're going to leave. We've got to pick somebody up, head to the lake uh, on this vaca- staycation. Now, this finally becomes a vacation now, which is awesome. So Matt, three-year-olds in the car seat. We're all driving down there. Got to pick somebody up. We're all packed in the back of the car. And I say to my wife, we're on the way, I think, to get coffee. And I say to my wife, hey, hey honey, can you grab my wallet? She looks in there. Well, your wallet's not here. You ever lost your wallet and have a deadline? Oh, that stinks. I said, seriously, no, no, can you check there? Turn the car around. Headed back. I'm sick to my stomach. Check around the seat, both seats. Did it fall in here? No wallet. Seek those things which are above. Seek. Check inside my backpack. Nothing. 
Dump it out. Nothing. Okay, get the three-year-old out of the car. Check upstairs. I remember buying something, getting gas yesterday. Is it in my shorts? Not there. Check downstairs. Not there. Go back to the car. It's all packed. Oh, no. We unpack the car. That's a sick feeling. Time is ticking. Uh, Everything is taken out. We dump things out on the ground. I am sick to my stomach. Gas. Gas station. My wife calls there. They say it's not there. I don't believe them. I drive there. Is it here? It's not here, sir. Ah! I went home. I told Kathy we're at home. I said, honey, I literally have no idea where to look. I've run out of places. In desperation, I texted my small group, my grace group, the pastors, and our directional leadership team. You know it's serious if you're going to embarrass yourself and text those who love you. Pray that we find my wallet. I am mad. I am frustrated. I'm seeking that thing. And then it hit me. I, was, I had to make a copy yesterday at the office. And today's a holiday. Nobody's there to find it. And I go to the office, and beside the copy machine, this was there. You ever had that feeling of just losing something of value, and you are on a hunt. You will not be stopped till you find it. Here's the crazy thing about this story. I had lost what I valued for a day before I realized it. I'd lost it and didn't know it because it wasn't on my mind. I needed somebody else and an event. The event, I need to use it. Somebody else, my wife, to point out to me, it's not here. And that's like our spiritual life. Things that we seek and we value. We need reminders. It's not enough to try harder. It leads to this decision. Seek those things which are above. You can write this down. My life is about seeking the interests of heaven. That's the decision. Would you say today that my life, no matter what's happened in the past, is going to seek the interest of heaven, the souls of people, God's help, God's direction, different attitudes, Jesus is there. It's different, and I'm going to be, my life, not about me, it's about heavenly interests. It's not about you being happy with me. It's about heavenly interests. And by the way, this is not tested when you're believing what is easy to believe or doing what's easy to do. This is tested. When you believe what you don't want to believe. And when you do what you don't want to do. That's when it's tested. I don't even like this. I don't want to believe it. I don't like this. I don't want to do it. But I believe what I don't want to believe and do what I don't want to do. That's the first thing. My first question to you is, are you seeking those things? Are you seeking those things which are above? Now, here's the second phrase we'll look at. It's the phrase, set your mind. Set your mind. Set your mind. So I was wondering, I was wondering, um, the average American, what does the average American set their mind on consistently? And I have a great example of this, by the way. It's down here under the sheet as well. So this, my friends, is a brain. This is awesome. And don't freak out. It's not an actual squishy, you know, human brain. Although that kind of be cool too. This is actually a plastic model brain, about the weight, I think, of a brain. It is so cool. Great jokes. They're terrible jokes all week long. My mind has been spinning on this. It falls apart. I'm losing my mind. I mean, all these kind of things are fun. So what does the average American set their mind on? Well, the average American sets their mind five hours a day on their smartphone. 
And I promise you, I got that one beat. I got much more than five. Five hours a day on their smartphone. The average American also sets their mind five hours a day on television. Well, five plus five, that is ten. Maybe there's some multi-screening going on, but the average American sets their mind on their smartphones and TV, five plus five a day, and yet we're supposed to set our mind on heavenly things, things above where Christ is. There's something called uh, neuroplasticity or brain plasticity, that your brain is an amazing creation of God, that your brain wires and rewires no matter what you set your mind on. It's so cool. It can be a good and bad thing that your brain rewires based on what you're putting in your brain, neuroplasticity. There's also indications of spiritual plasticity. No matter what your background is spiritually, you can rewire yourself spiritually. Write down these verses, Galatians 6, 8. And Romans 12, 2. Galatians 6, 8, Romans 12, 2. Give hope to you that no matter what you've done in your past, if you set your mind on things above, on spiritual things, God will rewire you spiritually. Let's go back to your friend group, your little focus group focused on you here. We say, turn your pieces of paper over now. This is what they seek. We're going to talk about what they set their mind on. And so here's the question to ask your friends and you. How am I helping my mind spiritually? How? Am I helping my mind spiritually? We can do that. We can help our mind spiritually. So we're asking people and asking you, what are the things you always do? Yeah, I always do that. We ask your friends, what are the habits they practice every day? Yeah, this is habitual for them, certainly. We ask you, what are the appointments you won't move? You'll always keep these appointments. Yeah, these things, I always show up for this thing. Like, how are you shaping your mind spiritually? Okay, so Paul and Timothy wrote this in Colossians 3, verse 2. After we seek those things which are above, we're supposed to lift our mind off things just of this world and put it on those same things above. And so he says, Colossians 3, verse 2, set your mind, there it is, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Okay, so naturally what happens to all of us, it happens to me, it happens to you. Left to ourselves, our mind will be focused on things on the earth. Schedules, appointments, paying bills, meeting a friend, what's coming up. My, you know, it's all these things that happen in this world. That's what our mind focuses on, things of this world. And it's a real challenge because we're commanded to not only seek those things above, but put our mind Think about things above. How in the world do we do that? What are you supposed to do? You're commanded to do that. Are we supposed to just try harder? I'm thinking about things above right now. Is that what you're supposed to do? Or set alarms for yourself with your phone. Bing! Think about souls in heaven. Like, is that what you're supposed to do? So Jesus, those things don't work, by the way. Set your mind on things above. You need help. Remember, my wallet was gone. What I valued, I didn't realize was gone until an event happened and somebody else pointed out. And now my mind is on it. And so that's what Jesus modeled for us. That's what this stool is all about right here. So this stool is going to teach us how we can set our mind on things above. You need help. There are three practices Jesus had 
that you need. There's the three legs of this stool. Do you have all three spiritual legs supporting your mind, supporting your spiritual life? You can ask yourself, we have zero leg people, one leg people, two leg, and three leg people right now listening. Okay, so let's talk about three legs. You can write them down. Church, your small group, your private time with God. That's it. Three legs of your spiritual stool. Church, engagement, small group engagement, private time with God. All three of these, the creator of the universe did. God himself needed these. Let's talk about leg number one, church engagement. Here's leg number one, church engagement. This is somebody who, not, who they go to church. They, they make sure, we have, by the way, nine live services and five broadcasts. We have thir, you know, 14 services available every weekend. 15, if you count the service saved, you can watch it later. We try to serve it up for you in a busy society. And there's people who say, listen, I, this is non-negotiable for me. Church, non-negotiable. Why would it be non-negotiable? Think about how, how you thought about God and spiritual things on the way in or listening right now. Compare how aware you are now to where you were when we started. Which one is thinking about God more? Hopefully now. That's the power of church, the power of the gathering where we remind. It's the moment with, where, you know, my wife pointed out, it, your wallet's not there. I wasn't even thinking about that. Here's a person who has just one leg of their stool. Maybe it's church, maybe it's their small group, or maybe it's Bible, but only one of those. Oh, I just go to church. I don't need a small group. I don't need time with God. I just go to church. So you can do that. Like you actually can do that for a time until life happens and things fall apart. And I did just lose my mind. That's awesome. I think this is the part of the brain that deals with motor control. That's a really good joke. You should be laughing. All right. So there, here, here's one leg of the stool. Do you have a commitment to church that, it's like this, I was talking to somebody else. How many people have Chiefs tickets or KU tickets or Royals tickets? And they just go, I'm sorry, I got other things to do. Ooh, now we're getting somewhere, aren't we? Okay, here's another leg of the stool. That's your small group. By the way, Jesus had a commitment to public worship. He, here's a small group, a second leg of the stool. Jesus never had access to group link events. Group link. You do, by the way. Group link is coming up. If you want to write this down, group link's coming up at the Overland Park campus Friday night, August 25th. At our Olathe campus, Sunday morning, August 27th. Group link gathered together. People don't have groups. Group link. Jesus didn't get a group with group link. He prayed for people and invited who God prompted him to invite into a group. That's how he created his 13-person small group. You say, Tim, I don't need a small group. Seriously? Holding hands, potlucks, kumbaya? I'm not into that. Well, you had the wrong group before. If God himself needed a group, who do we think we are? Right? I mean, if God himself needed a group. And so here's the person trying to balance their life with two legs. I'm sorry, I don't need a group. I just have personal time with God in church. This one's become even harder for me. This is, by the way, how people live our lives. If you don't have a group, you got the others. Or maybe you have a small group and you go to church. You, you're engaged with the church, but you have no private time with God. This is you. You're constantly, the only way you can keep your mind on things above is if you focus constantly on it. Then once you take your eyes away, it's going apart. 
Because the only way to do this is when you have all three legs of the stool that Jesus had, public worship together, small group, and private time with God. I better have three legs. <laughs> private time with God. There it is. Private time with God is Matthew 6.6. 6. It's the moment you close the door on the world. It's just you and God, Matthew 6.6. 6. Jesus had that. And when you have three legs of the stool... Life happens. Craziness happens. You've supported your spiritual life. Left to ourselves, we think just about this world. Left to ourselves, the things we value don't even hit our brain until we have appointments or events. Like church reminds you, like your small group reminds you, and like your daily time reminds you. And now you can think about things above. That's this decision right here. Look what it says. You can write it down. I will put my appointments with God first. That's the decision. My appointments with God are first. They're the big rocks in the schedule. And we sprinkle the sand of everybody else around the big rocks. Have you made the decision or would you today? Okay, I get it. I, I got one leg of a stool or maybe two. I don't have three. Man, I need three. You need it. Now, you might be thinking, um, okay. Seriously, why would somebody put the interest of heaven before theirs? Doesn't make sense to me. Or seriously, why would I put you know, church engagement and small group and private time with God first? Why is that more important than other things? It doesn't make sense to me. Of course it doesn't make sense to you. Because of this next word, if. The word we see is if. You're, you're on the wrong side so far of if. You can get today on the right side of if. Look what it says here in verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ. Okay, if you're raised with Christ, this makes sense. If you've given your life to Jesus, it makes sense. If you sense a difference, this makes sense to you. Then you do seek those things which are above. You set your mind on things above. You have the support structure, the appointments. That all makes sense to you. The reason it does not make sense to you is if you've not received Christ. So that's the real question. Here's the question, we'll put it this way. I mean, who, ha who has and hasn't yet made Jesus number one? Who really has done that? Because if you have done it, it makes sense to you. You may not have done it in the past. You may kind of feel guilty or whatever. Toss the guilt out. The past, toss that out. Just say, it, the decision today is, okay, today I'm going to put the priorities of heaven, the interest of heaven first. Today, starting forward. That's it. Okay, today I'm going to put appointments with God, appointments with God that help me put my mind on things above first. No matter what you ha happened in the past. But if this doesn't make any sense to you, that's an indicator that maybe you haven't yet received Jesus. But the key word there is yet. Like what if today you actually do that? What if today you actually Give your life to Jesus by faith. You give up. You surrender everything to him. You get, place your faith in him. Sometimes we tell ourselves stories. Well, I've always been in church. So what? So what? Well, I've always believed these things. So what? If you haven't sensed life in you, you've been raised, maybe it's a false sense of security. Maybe you do need to, for the first time, surrender your life. Give yourself to him. Two groups of people. For those who are on the right side of if, if you've received Christ, what is the state of your spiritual support structure? How are you helping your mind spiritually? Church engagement. 
which means worshiping and serving and giving, small group engagement, building relationships with smaller people to love and live life and text and pray for and learn, personal engagement. When you get up early in the morning, you would take a 10-minute walk in heaven. That means throughout the day, people take breaks. You take a 10-minute break, and you walk around, and people have no idea what you're doing because you're mentally spending your time with God in heaven. They want to drink coffee? They want to smoke? Awesome. I'm in heaven right now. I took a break in heaven. That is awesome. What would God call you to do today? Let's pray. God, I do pray that you would have your way. The Holy Spirit would work right now in an incredible way. We, we give ourselves to you wherever people are at. If they've received Christ, if they've been raised spiritually inside, there's a difference. God, help them to look at the habits, the appointments with God and just listen to you. Is it engagement with the church? Worship and serving and giving? Is it engagement with a small group of sharing and praying and supporting and learning together? Is it engagement with you privately of a short time of praying and listening and thanking and looking in your word? God, which of these support structures do we need? And I pray for those who this has not made sense to because they're on the other side of if that today you want them to receive Jesus as their Savior. I pray they would surrender wherever they're at right now to call out, Dear Jesus, right now I give my life to you. I pray you be my Savior. Forgive me my sins. Thank you for dying for me. I believe you rose again. You're alive. I give my life fully and completely to you. I am yours. Be the leader of my life. Help them to pray that and to sense you inside them. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.